You are listening to the podcast for Nerdy Christians, where faith meets fandom. Welcome to the show for progressive followers of Jesus, who also happen to love Hogwarts, Hobbits, and 3D printing synthetic heart-shaped herbs. This is Season 6, Episode 3, Forever in Wakanda. I'm Adam Thomas, and I'm very happy to be sitting across the internet from Carrie Combs. Hi, Carrie. Hey, Adam. I've watched a lot of movies this week. <laughs> Me too. Uh, for those of you who haven't listened to our first couple episodes of this season, and I'm gonna, we might not have even mentioned it in the first one. We're actually recording two episodes in a row this season. Don't tell them. Oh, am I no. not supposed to tell them? We're pulling back the curtain and showing how the the podcast is met. No, we're doing back to back. We're doing back to back episodes. So Carrie and I watched a bunch of movies this week um, to or get ready to. for this. Uh, I skip. I skimmed through parts here and there. You know, like action scenes. You don't necessarily need to watch uh, all well, of. I, but so we're talking about Wakanda Forever today, and mm-hmm. I gotta admit, I've kind of lost track of of what is it Phase Four of the MCU. So it's it's been hard to kind of keep up. Like I'll always want to go see the new Spider-Mans, but there was a Thor I didn't see where Natalie Portman is Thor. Am I right? Like cool is, stuff is happening. Is the mighty Thor. The mighty Thor. Like I'm just not able to keep up with any of that, but I was really glad to have the excuse to watch Wakanda Forever. I actually didn't have a chance to see Wakanda Forever in the theater, unfortunately, because it's a you know big movie. Uh, but I have mm. watched it a couple of times in Disney Plus. Um, and the thing that struck me is what we're going to talk about today, which is how Shuri deals with her guilt and her pain and her grief and how the movie is really about her coming to grips with the loss of her brother and then her mom. Mm-hmm. Um and the the story would not have been told that way if the world hadn't lost Chadwick Boseman. Right. That's what I was going to ask. Like, was there any plan for more Black Panther movies or for obviously not this kind of Black Panther movie, but were there future ones planned with Chad, Chadwick Boseman? I believe there there definitely was. I mean, the first Black Panther movie made over a billion dollars. So, of course, oh, they were going to oh, do yeah. sequels yeah, yeah, of yeah. that. Uh, but then when Chadwick Boseman died... Uh, they had to change the shape of what that franchise was going to look like. And I think they 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 handled it in such an amazing way. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And especially at the beginning, it's almost like they're doing a funeral for Chadwick Boseman and for T'Challa mm-hmm. at the same time, mm-hmm. because you see his face on the building uh, oh, while they're yeah. dancing. And uh, it's just a beautiful send off. It, it it had a similar feel to me as watching the Star Wars sequels after Carrie Fisher had died. Mm-hmm. Uh, this sort of send off of these actors uh, and just the incredible debt of gratitude we have for these wonderful entertainers who are also incredible human beings. And that the cast would have been very close to. I mean, when I when they showed the Marvel sequence, you know, the intro with the music, and normally they show bits from the comic books, from the movies. This was just all of of him. Mm-hmm. And that I thought was extremely significant. I mean, this is kind of the same feeling that when Stan Lee died, there was, again, a debt of gratitude for someone who's brought these stories. Well, Stan Lee brought the stories to us. Mm-hmm. And Chadwick Boseman brought Black Panther to life for us. Um and you're right, it does have that kind of same reminiscence of of Star Wars, which was hard to watch, even though I'm not, I don't think of myself as, you know, I'm a fan of the art, less so the artists. I don't really follow celebrities. Mm-hmm. I, I I know their names, but that's about it. But this one was an incredible and a brave a, a brave way of facing that. So I'm excited to talk about this theme, which which we've touched on before, how Marvel has been unafraid to go 
deep and talk about grief and loss. Mm -hmm. That was our whole end game episode. But the fact that they're, they're still doing it and they're doing it in response to a real life loss, I think is a great way to make money, obviously, which is their ultimate goal. But on the way, they make some pretty beautiful art. Yeah, that's right. And so before we get into this deeper discussion, let's do our scripture and nerd quotes. Uh, Why don't you start us off, Carrie? This quotation is from the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verses 20 through 21. Call me no longer Naomi. Call me Mara. The Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has dealt harshly with me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? And our quotation from Nerd Canon comes from Wakanda Forever, uh, the scene when the queen and Shuri are out in the bush at night right before they meet Namor. And Queen Ramonda says, burning of the funeral garments marks the end of the mourning period and the beginning of a new relationship with our loved ones who have passed on. And Shuri says, I'm not doing this, mother. If I sit and think about my brother for too long, it won't be these clothes I'll burn. It will be the world and everyone in it. So right from the start of the movie, we get an entirely different feeling than I think any other Marvel movie I've seen. The film begins in complete darkness with only Shuri's plea to Bast, their their god, of if you can save my brother, basically I'll believe in you. And it's right at the moment where they're losing him and she is doing all of her all of her best to save him through the things she's best at in the world, which is science. And from that very start, I was aware, not knowing very much about this film at all, except that the, the lead actor had passed away, that this was going to be a different type of story and be about Shuri in, a, in so many ways. Yeah. And Shuri, being the scientist, being technologically minded, her faith, because everybody has faith in something, whether it's God or not, her faith is in science. Her faith is in technology. And that's not a bad thing, mm-hmm. but it but it does limit her in, in a certain way from seeing a bigger picture or a broader view of what reality is. Uh, and what the queen invites her into again and again throughout the movie is to broaden her perspective and not to retreat into the things that she has always known and that comfort her. And later in the movie, M'Baku uh, does the same thing, which we'll get to. And at the very beginning of the movie, kind of faith and the tradition of the Wakandan people are set up as a foil, as a dichotomy with Shuri's faith in science. Her mother, they have different priorities as many daughters and mothers do. And our priorities are based on our belief systems, our upbringing, all the things that make us who we are. Uh, And when the time comes for Shuri to confront the existential limit of life and death, with her brothers when when they're at the funeral for T'Challa. Um, she does not have the spiritual language or belief system to live through her grief in a non-destructive way. She's got so much guilt over not being able to heal him because she's a scientist. She should have been able to figure it out, but he he hid his illness and, and all of that, right? So she has so much guilt and then she has so much grief on top of that guilt. And all of that wraps up into this ball of pain 
that's inside of her that she doesn't know what to do with because you can't science your way out of guilt, Mm. pain and grief. I was glad that the quote that you chose, the nerd quote, was from that first funeral scene because there are three kind of ritual burning scenes in the film. And the ritual burning, as as Queen Ramonda explains, is the symbolic end of the mourning period of one year. We have the mother-daughter going off to burn the funeral garments to represent their letting go of their grief or moving forward from their grief for T'Challa. Yeah, the year and after, the, the, the year next after. year, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we have Queen Ramonda's death and the burning of those funeral garments. And then the final post-credits scene. No, just right before the credits. It's right before the credits. Yeah, the very last scene. Of Shuri finally accepting and burning the clothing of the grief that she has had to bear. And those kind of tracking her response in each of those scenes, you see her finally confronting her grief throughout the film. At the beginning, it's if I think about my brother, it's not the garments I'm going to burn, it's the whole world. And that is such a different response than she is giving at the end of the movie, where she is accepting, she's moving forward, still very much in pain, but then she's able to see the future in the form of her brother's child who comes out in the very short post credit scene. Yes, uh, her, his name being Toussaint, uh, the, his Haitian name being Toussaint, uh, which of course harkens back to Toussaint Louverture, who is the uh, one of the in, uh, incredibly important figures of the Haitian Revolution. So the name Toussaint has this liberative quality to it at the end of the film. And there's a liberation, a release for Shuri from some of the guilt and pain that she's been holding on to because of what she's been through over the course of the film. Um, mm-hmm. This movie has a villain sort of mm-hmm. in Namor, more of an adversary or an antagonist, but not yeah, really a term. villain, you know? Um, mm-hmm. that's why the Black Panther movies are so interesting is that the, the villains in them are not standard villains. Killmonger, of course, being the other mm-hmm. one in, in the first movie. Um, and we'll get to Killmonger in a little bit because he has a very small, very important cameo. Oh, yeah. In this oh, film. my goodness. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and so, um, Namor having, have, having lived for 500 years mm-hmm. with the same pain and grief over his own mother's death and his inability to kind of stop the conquistadors from destroying the indigenous peoples of uh, Central and South America. Mm -hmm. Uh, He has, he has let that grief and guilt, uh, you know, sort of build up and fester inside him to the point where he does not see any other way of moving forward than a preemptive strike on the rest of the world so that their society can be uh, saved. Um, and I'm I'm not saying that that he's necessarily wrong in that because of his his understanding um, of world history uh, is pretty spot on, actually. Uh, which is that when colonizers have a chance to colonize, they're going to do it. Um, and so he thinks that he's basically backed into a corner and he wants Wakanda's help. But in the midst of all of his conversations with Shuri and the actions that they have together, Shuri, I think, sees in Namor a narrowing of perspective and a narrowing of the ability to see different futures. 
And by the end of the movie, when she finally hears her mother's voice from the ancestral plane, she's able to open herself up to a different future than the one that's the the burning future that she mentions at the mm-hmm. beginning. Well, that's the frustrating part about this movie is they get to this same conclusion that at the end that they could have really gotten in the beginning if they had been less traumatized by like if, if Namor had not had that single-minded determination to protect his people if they had gone from a more cooperative, less of a coercive side. And I think there's also something to be said there about the effects of of grief and trauma and oppression that it kind of, it, like you said, it narrows down the options and the ideas. Um, that's not to say that beautiful things don't exist. I love the scene of um, of Shuri going to this underwater city and seeing how similar it is to Wakanda in so many ways, but also how different. And that's the, those are the memories that she draws on when she finally decides to withhold the killing blow from Namor. And she imagines all of the damages that they had, all the grief they had both undergone, reversed, removed, everything kind of brought back. And she's able to connect the beauty of Talakan, this underwater city, this underwater civilization with her own home and realize they have way more in common than they do apart and that they would be much better served as allies than as adversaries. And it's not until she's able to let go of that pain and that grief that she can see the path forward towards that cooperation. Mm -hmm. Um, and um, and unfortunately, they have a couple of battles during the movie because, again, it's a Marvel movie with, without yeah. some sort of fight. Then then it doesn't seem like a Marvel movie. Um, but it it's true to the to the experience of the character. Uh, I mean, T'Challa was Shuri's uh, big brother and her best friend and everything mm-hmm. to her. So when she lost him, it felt like she was losing her entire world. Mm. Um, and this movie is about her finding a way to claim a new way of being in the world with his influence, um, there with, with his influence being present as well as the queen's influence and maybe a little bit of Killmonger's influence as we see her going to see him in the ancestral plane. That's right. So she finally is able to recreate the heart-shaped herb using the bracelet that Namor gives her, which has the kind of same herb woven into its strands. And that's kind of key to unlock because in the end of the last movie, Killmonger burned the chamber with all the heart-shaped herbs. Mm -hmm. And so using this new synthetic one, she's able to undergo in her very own scientific and different way, the Black Panther ritual. I don't need to be buried. Don't bury me. I don't need, no. (laughs) That part is for show. (laughs) Yes, lay me on the on the science table, and we'll do the science things, and I'll have a science experience, and I'll come back with the power I need to protect our people. It's very pragmatic, but she has a surprise that she does actually go to a spiritual plane, and she encounters the last person she wants to, I imagine, which is Killmonger. Although he says that I'm the exact person you really wanted to talk to, because well, of what's that. actually burning in your heart. You're you're looking for a mm. way to to destroy the world, and I've got it. Um, and then when she's confronted with that possibility, she has a little bit of pause. Um, and it's not until, of course, that her mom talks to her that she's able to make the, the final decision that she does. Um, but her conversation with Killmonger is so interesting uh, because um, she didn't believe 
that the ancestral plane was real. He calls mm-hmm. her out on that, right? Uh, why, d- why did you take the herb? To see my family. Nah, he says. You didn't believe the ancestral plane was real, did you? Uh, so why did you take it? You don't have to lie to me. And then she says, so I can be strong. Mm. Strong to do what? And she pauses. For, for, yeah, for, and he basically fills it in for revenge. And to avenge, uh, he, that's, that's what he expects her to, to, to say. I think it's fascinating. You mentioned the bracelet before. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that that bracelet, which is 500 years old, uh, mm-hmm. which was infused with the fibers of the heart-shaped herb, uh, Shuri uses the bracelet to recreate it. It's Namor's past and her present combining to make the future. I think oh, that's so so wow. powerful, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. That that this past, um, that the connection that Namor has with his mother. Now remember, Namor means without love. But we know that yeah. that's not true because his mother loved him. Un io sin amor. Yeah, I'm taking Spanish class. There you go. So <laughs> um, Namor's past is symbolized by uh, the love of his mother, symbolized by this bracelet, mm-hmm. a heart-shaped herb. That's Shuri's culture. And and she's bringing it back into this present. They're going to be able to go forward into the future through that combination. And to me, that's the first hint in the movie that by the end of the film, they will be cooperating. They will be together in this. Right. And using that herb that she has synthesized using Namor's past, she's able to make that connection with her mother who says, Shuri, show him who you are, right? As she's about to strike the killing blow on Namor after trapping him on the beach and getting rid of his like water superpower. She sees her mother who wants her to be herself. And that's when Shuri says, Yield and Wakanda will protect your oceans. We will protect your secrets. Yield and your people will live. Vengeance has consumed us. We cannot let it consume our people. And that's where I think Shuri becomes a leader in so many ways. She's able to see beyond her personal grief and pain and let it teach her instead mm-hmm. and show that we, can, we both of us can have a better future for our people than we ourselves could have imagined for ourselves. The grief shows her a path forward instead of holding her back at that moment. Yeah. Um, and in that, as she's saying that, Namor uh, looks up and he sees his mother reaching down to him mm-hmm. in Shuri's place. And that's when Shuri's stretching out her hand to him. Oh, I think I had my eyes off the screen at that part. So it's, it's very brief. It's only a couple of seconds, but there's his mother so standing subtle. there pulling him, pulling him forward. Uh, by the way, you mentioned the burnings, right? Oh yeah. In that in that fight with Namor, she burns him too. Um, oh yeah. With with the engine exhaust from the broken down um uh, hovercraft. Mm-hmm. He gets burned pretty badly. Um so um the idea of burning the world uh the fire what what are the different ways that fire is going to help us here? Remember Killmonger used fire to destroy the heart-shaped herbs. Yeah. Um and now we're using fire in this ritualistic way. Um, to connect us to those who have gone before us into whatever is next. Uh, this ancestral plane, which Shuri didn't really think was real, is part of the Marvel world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I love what the Queen says in that first scene uh, in the bush um, when she talks about T'Challa, uh, right? Mm-hmm. So that that conversation, let's go back to that one a, a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. First, Ramonda makes uh, Shuri take off her Kamoyo beads. 
symboling the removal of science in order to make room for spirituality. Um, Okay. So they go into nature. Ramonda has removed her headdress. So we see her mm -hmm. with, with, with her hair, um, unbound. Uh, Mm -hmm. and she says, you need to sit here with me and with yourself. It's the only way you will heal from the wound of T'Challa's death. You need to sit here with yourself, Mm. uh, which we'll find at the very end of the movie she does. And Shuri says, I'm fine, mother. So she's deflecting, right? You don't have to worry about Mm me. Mm -hmm. He's gone, but I'm moving forward. So is she moving forward? No. Not really. No. She's doing a lot of good science. She's she's stuck, though, within her grief. Um, And going back to Endgame, I think we had this a similar thing with um, Black Widow. With uh, Natasha Romanoff was in a very similar place. and then Ramonda says, when she says he's gone, and Ramonda says, T'Challa's dead, but that doesn't mean he's gone. When that illness took your brother from us, I had to lead a wounded nation and a broken world, but I still took time in the bush. I wandered until I found water and I sat. Then I did this ritual that I'm about to show you now. I found your brother in the breeze, pushing me gently but firm, like his hand on my shoulder. It took some time, but he was there. Ramonda has this ability to access uh, a wider understanding of reality, to feel the presence mm-hmm. of someone who has died. And Shuri brings it right back to science. He wasn't yeah. there, mother. The presence that you felt was just a construct of your mind brought on so you could feel some comfort or joy. That's all. And gosh darn it, if that didn't remind me of Harry Potter asking Dumbledore, is this real or is it all just in my head? Right? Well, what does it really matter? Yeah. Of course, of course it's in your head, but why ever should that mean it's not real? Right. Something like that. Something like that. Um, Something so, like that. So the construct of the mind that that lets us know that T'Challa is still present, how is that not real? I like that Ramonda invites Shuri's reflections. She she kind of, she hears the construct and she's like, so what construct is in your mind when you think of your brother? Does it bring you comfort? I think I appreciate a parent who's able to hear their child's agnosticism and speak to them in their terms and try to still reach her on an emotional level. I mean, Ramonda's po- point in this is not to evangelize, to misappropriate that word, Shuri, to believe in Bast in the ancestral plane. She's trying to comfort her daughter. So she asks like, well, okay, what construct brings you comfort? And Sherry doesn't have anything to say to that because she was lying. She's not really moving forward. She's not comforted. There there, there hasn't yeah. been any comfort in the last year. Um, or at least we haven't been let been made aware of any. Uh, yeah. When after the queen's death, M'Baku uh, echoes this conversation uh, when he says, you must mourn her in accordance to the rituals of your ancestors. Do not bury yourself in your technology. Mm. Uh, so once again, we have this idea of that we need to expand our understanding out from the thing that is is most sort of normal to us, or the thing mm-hmm. that we're going to cling to, because we have met an existential limit. And that is and when we are confronted with an existential limit like death. Uh, it is not, it, it, sometimes the things that comfort us are the things that we always do, but those are also the things mm-hmm. that we can cling to that don't let us explore what death really, ha- what death of other people is doing to us. We need time in the bush, as Ramonda says, to be a, a part a little bit and to 
find ourselves anew and find a new path forward that doesn't include the future that we thought it was going to be. Right. And it's not, it's not transactional. I think a lot of this, a lot of people's sort of struggles with faith and Shuri's definitely goes from this, like, okay, well, if I do this and that, if I, if you save my brother, I'll believe in you. And then at her mother's funeral, I just did your stupid ritual. And for what, why didn't they come for me? She's expecting, you know, it to be formulaic, scientific, you mix A with B and you get C, you do funeral ritual, you get comfort moving on. And she's Mm -hmm. not, it doesn't work that way. Those are guides. Those are safe. As I say about funerals a lot, they're safe containers to contain the emotions, to be a place where you can go deep, knowing that there's boundaries or on either side of time and space and, and ritual. But ultimately that's not what heals us. It is sitting with yourself and feel your feelings, which is painful and horrible. And it's not a you know progression that's predictable. Grief isn't five discrete stages that all take the same amount of time and move from one to the other. Mm-hmm. It's a spiral. It's a wave. It's it's everything all at once, and that's challenging. And for somebody with a scientific mind, where you should be able to go from point A to point B with some sort of predictability, it would be very hard for a character like Shuri to accept the the mess. That is grieving. Uh, and yeah, so she tries so she, so she contains it in a way that makes sense to her within this the this uh this mission of burning the world. Or mm-hmm. if not actually going through with the burning of the world, then at least imagining what it would look like if she could control the world in the way that she wants to, because she can't control what's inside her own body. Um it, the the idea of taking stepping away, taking time apart from uh, the normal day in and day out life to wrestle with and to help uh, metabolize our grief um, comes in with some secondary characters as well. Cause um, Nakia and Okoye have a conversation um, before Ramonda's funeral. When Okoye asks Nakia, why weren't you here? Why haven't you been here for the last five years? Mm-hmm. And um, Nakia says, uh, I regret not being there with all of you. It was not easy. He was king and Black Panther to everyone, but to me, he was everything. My T'Challa. Mm-hmm. When he was taken away from me, just like that, I had to step away and let myself break. I couldn't just keep going as if nothing had happened, you know? So Nakia recognized in herself, her own response to this grief had to be stepping up away, changing her life, at least for a time. Mm-hmm. So that she could come back to some sort of uh, understanding of who she was in this new way, and and presumably keep her sons separate. If I'm doing the math correctly, I imagine. Well, obviously she couldn't have had the, her son with T'Challa after he died, so she was either pregnant or this they had they had this small child secretly that they were raising far away from Wakanda, far away from the pressures of being a prince. Um, so she had multiple. She had to be able to break and protect at the same time. Shuri ends up with her, basically her sister-in-law in the place where she fled to break, to remake herself, to heal. And that's where Shuri finally burns the funeral garments, finally allows herself to cry, which she hasn't at all in this film. 
And I think uh, Letitia, what's her last name? The Letitia actress Wright. Who Sherry. Letitia Wright. Letitia Wright is such a beautiful actress in the way that she holds herself so strong, but also kind of stiff throughout the film. And here she's slouched on the sand. She's crying. And that's, again, as we said earlier, when she's able to meet the future. Yeah, the future in in this in the form of her nephew, who will be the next king, T'Challa. Yeah, but in the meantime, I really want to see a like Shuri reigning as queen movie. <laughs> I want like Queen yeah. Black Panther. Yeah, yes, that would be really interesting. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if she shows up in some of the team team up movies that are coming. Um, I keep forgetting that there's going to be more. They're just assume, still going. Of course they are. It makes money. It does um, make money. So how are we going to how are we going to end this conversation, Carrie? What's what's our biggest takeaway? As is culturally appropriate for Queen Ramonda, you have to find your own version of going to the bush, wandering until you find water, and sitting down with yourself when you have any hard feelings, but particularly grief, where they're not predictable and they're not going to go away otherwise what about you when we are in pain and grief and guilt our worldview narrows it gets very small and one of the ways to expand that worldview again is to sit with those feelings and to not make them go away because they don't go away but we can learn how to walk forward with them to have them be part of who we are but not all of who we are and that's that's when you're able to both move forward, but then also form connection, have empathy, compassion, connection, see your grief mirrored in somebody else and discover that working together, being together makes you a lot stronger to fight against the things that are actually dangerous in the world. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast for Nerdy Christians. Please give us a rating or review on your podcast app of choice so others can discover us too. You can find us at nerdychristians.com. You can also find all nine of Adam's fantasy novels on his website, adamthomas.net. Sign up for the bi-monthly author's newsletter to receive a free PDF of his novella, Highest Stakes, a memoir and manual about my life as a vampire hunter. And as always, you can find both of us right here on the next episode of the podcast for Nerdy Christians, where faith meets fandom. May God grant you the grace to release the guilt of the past, walk through the valley of grief, and discover new life-giving ways of being to lead you into a future of flourishing. And may the God who creates all things, liberates all things, and sustains all things bless you and keep you now and forever. Amen. Amen.